Hey, you're listening to Blue Jean Church's podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. To learn more about Blue Jean Church in Selma, Alabama, visit us at www.bluejeanselma.com. All right, y'all. Um, well, Lord, anoint this, because without your anointing, it's going to be boring. All right. You know, I was, I, of course, it's Father's Day, right? And so was going to talk about Father's Day and fathers and stuff like that. And so, you know, Father's Day is a big deal. I want to say this. Shout out to all the dads. That's my little baby girl that just slipped in late. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, fathers isn't isn't just a biological thing. A father's a matter of the heart. You can be a girl and be a father. A father is, is a thing. It's a heart. It's a position. It's a feeling. And most of the time, it's a guy. And most of the time, it's biological. But they're stepdads. There are no biological. I mean, I love Josh like a, a dad and Mary. I love them like that. I really do. It's crazy. But uh, there are a lot of people that I feel like that about. And, um, you know, so I just, I, we just want to honor everybody and recognize that this father thing, it's not just about biology. It's about a heart. And uh, we want to honor everybody here today um, as a father, okay? Uh, and we want to, the focus today really isn't going to be on earthly fathers. It's not really even going to be about characteristics about a father. Um, I'm going to show some scripture where I think our Heavenly Father wants us to know some cool things about Him. And so, let's dive in. Um, Jesus came for lots of reasons. You know, the Scripture tells us that. Jesus says in John 10, 10, Hey, I came to give life that you would have it abundantly. So, Jesus came to give life, right? Isaiah 61, 1, 1 through 4, 5, or 6, whatever that is. It's the scripture, it's the prophecy about Jesus that says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me to preach good news to the poor, to set captives free, to heal broken hearts, to give hope to the hopeless, to uh, garments of praise instead of despair. Jesus, and that was about Jesus. So Jesus came to do those things. That's a function. 1 John chapter, I think it's 3 verse, I think it's 9, I didn't look it up, but I think that's it, said Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Boom! That's one of his functions, right? That's one of his purposes, all right? Um, so G- God, Jesus had lots of purposes, but one, one of the purposes is Jesus came to reveal the Father to us. He came to show us who the Father was. He came to change the the paradigm or dynamic or the understanding that we had of God the Father. In the Old Testament, I think King David, miraculously, unbelievably, he got it. Without having the Holy Spirit actually live in him like the Holy Spirit lives in us, he had a revelation of God as Father. Um, religion doesn't want us to capture that. Religion wants us to capture rules and uh, things, uh, important characteristics of God. 
But Jesus, one of the main reasons he came was to reveal the nature and the heart of the Father to us. And so this is really a message from the Father to us. It's not about fathers. It's not even about what he does for us. It's more about who he is to us. Um, Let's look at this. Up to the time of Jesus, the people, the Jewish, the Jewish faith, they wouldn't even say God's name. He was so holy. They, his name in Hebrew was Yahweh. They wouldn't even say Yahweh. They would say Yah. And he, he was holy. He was creator. He was all-powerful. He was majestic. He was, he was feared in a good sense, but he was feared. He was, he was this holy, mighty, good God, but he wasn't so personal. He was, it wasn't like a personal thing. There was a veil between his presence and the people because of sin. But when Jesus came, that veil got torn. There's no separation now. There's no separation. And it is a prophetic picture that the father wants that kind of relationship same kind of relationship he had with Adam in the in the garden where he's hunting Adam he's saying Adam where are you Adam you know in the garden look he's hunting him he's wanting relationship with Adam and so Jesus came to shift this around Check out, let's get your Bibles out if you got them. John 14. Look at what, what Jesus says here. This is the night before Jesus was crucified. He's in the upper room with his homeboys. And so you know this is the last time. This is the la- last time. Hang on. Is that loud? Okay, cool. This is the last time Jesus, maybe cut that down just a tad, so, yeah, there you go, and blow people out. Um, this is the last time Jesus is going to talk to the disciples, really, before he's crucified. And so he ain't going to be talking about Alabama and Auburn football or fishing. He's going to be talking about things that matter. And he says this, he said in verse 1, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it weren't so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And then Thomas says in verse 5, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus says, Well, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but through me. He said, From now on, You do know him, the Father, and you have seen him. And Philip says, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, he said, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me 
who is doing his work. That's a key for this morning. These words that Jesus speak to us about the Father aren't his own. It's the Father's words to us through Jesus. That shifted the whole message this morning for me. When I saw that, it jumped off the page at me, and I was like, oh, my gosh. All the things that I've been looking at for that message about Father's Day that I'm thinking is just going to be some boring little message, spitting out stuff about the prodigal son and all that, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, this is, this is like crazy that the things that Jesus is telling us and talking to us about it's what the Father wanted us to know about the Father. It wasn't just Jesus talking about him, although he would have. The Father wants us to know this about himself. And what, what we're just seeing here is Jesus is saying, hey, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We're, we're, we're the same. We're different people, but I have the nature of the Father in me, and I'm only speaking what He's given me. I'm only telling you what He wants me to tell. Check out this. Check out in John chapter 10, verse 30. Look, go up to 25 and listen to this. Jesus says, I did tell you, but you didn't believe the miracles I do in my Father's name speak for me, but you don't believe because you're not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. They shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father has given them to me. Uh, who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. I think this is, for me, this is like Jesus is making the point here. Hey, I'm speaking the words of the Father. We're fixing to look at what's said about the Father. But I want to establish this point that when Jesus is telling parables and talking about the Father, and when the Holy Spirit, who wrote the Bible, tells us about the Father or love, it's because the Father wants His children to know who He is, not some false representation that religion has painted Him with. Now, God, the Father, is a lot of things. He's creator. He's all-powerful. He is holy. He's majestic. He's all those things. But it seems to me that one of the main things the Father is trying to do through Jesus, and he says it here, is to reveal who he really is and how he looks at us and how he wants us to look at him. And it's very different than the religion of the day and, and today with a lot of people. Jesus is the perfect representation of the Father. And Jesus was very intentional 
when he talked about the Father, and he just told us, he said, I'm not telling you my own words. I'm telling you what the Father said to say about the Father. He, we just read that in John 14. I'm not talking to you out of my words. I'm telling you only what the Father's told me to say. And so, look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 11. Actually, it's better in Luke. Look at Luke chapter 1. It's chapter 11, verse 4. Let's go to 1. 11, verse 1. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And so he said to them, when you pray, say, Our Father. Our Father. Jesus is teaching. Jesus is speaking words from the Father. And he's saying, when you address God, call him your dad. Call him your father. You don't have to say, oh, majestic and heavenly Yahweh or Yah. It's, it's a familiar, loving relationship thing that Jesus is setting up. And for us, we've heard it a million times. It's like the Pledge of Allegiance. We say it so many times. Sometimes we don't even know what we're saying. It's like our father, we don't even think about it. But at the time when Jesus did that, it was revolutionary. It was like God is no longer this distant, scary, sovereign, holy thing that separated. It was like, hey, Daddy. Hey, Dad. It was personal. It was close. And it's like, for the first time, people are like, what? You mean we can refer to God as Father and remember what Jesus said? I'm not saying things on my own. I'm saying what the Father's telling me. So guess who wants us to call him Daddy? The Father. He wants us to call him that. That's his heart's desire for his children. I know Reese and Jesse and Miles were here recently, and it just blesses my heart every time I hear Miles say, Dada, Dada, do this, Dada, don't, Dada, more juice, Dada. You know, and I'm like, that's so cool. It's just so cool. It's, and, and sometimes he'll say something really sweet, you know, and to, he calls Ann Uno. You know, and he calls them their name calls us our names and just it's sweet it's intimate y'all know what i'm talking about everybody's had somebody that's close to you to call you by name or call you an endearing name and so god's wanting us to call him daddy not yahweh although that's cool but he's telling us call him 
like he means something to us, like we're in a relationship. Check out, um, check out Holy Spirit gets in on this too. Check out Romans, Romans verse 8. Not only is Jesus strapping it on for the Father, but look at what the Holy Spirit says. The Holy Spirit in Romans verse 8, chapter 8 verse 15 says, Hey, you didn't receive a spirit of fear that makes you a slave to fear. But you received a spirit of sonship. And by him, that spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we're God's children. And so the Holy Spirit is telling us. All of them are working together to reveal the heart of the Father. The Spirit's given us the, the connection and helping us understand that the Father wants us to see Him as a good Father. He wants that special relationship, not some, you know, when I was growing up, y'all might have had this too, but I kind of pictured God as some big dude sitting in a rocking chair reading the newspaper and every now and then he'd reach down and zap somebody for being bad or stirring something up but he was pretty much aloof and I was scared of him and you know we called him God we didn't call him father you know he was sovereign he was all powerful he was holy he was majestic and he is all those things but this is coming from him it's not coming from me. I'm not telling you, call him Father. This is coming straight from the horse's mouth. Because Jesus just told us, hey, I'm only telling you what he told me to tell you. And he says, call me Father. Call me Dad. And the Holy Spirit's in on this, this conspiracy too. Because the Holy Spirit's the one that gives us His Spirit, and His Spirit witnesses with our spirits and makes us understand He's our Dad. He gives us the revelation that all He really wants is a family, and all He really wants is some people that'll love Him like a dad and treat Him like it. He doesn't want perfection necessarily. He doesn't want a bunch of fluff. He just wants kids that love Him. I want to I read the prodigal son, or at least, at least the portions of it, where the father, his reaction. For those of you that don't know the story of the prodigal son, it's about two sons and a father, and the younger son was a wild buck and want, told the dad, hey, I want, I want my inheritance now. He left town, went out and spent all his money on gambling and women and crazy wild drinking and all that and was, got to be broke as a haint. Uh, so broke he had to take a job feeding pigs. You ever fed pigs? It's not a primo job. It's not. And he was so hungry feeding the pigs that he wanted to eat what the pigs were eating. You ever seen pig slop? It's bad. You don't want to eat it. And so he was desperate, really desperate, okay? And so he, but he knows he's dissed his dad. And so he says, hey, it says in the scripture in Luke 15,
verse 17, it says, but when he came to his senses, he was like, oh, I am so screwed here. I have blown it. I've wasted everything. You know, I, I'm, I'm out of luck. And so what if I just went back and worked for my dad? Because uh, at least the workers get food. And so he's going to go back and just work. All right? And it says he came to his senses, and so he practices what he's going to say. I love a Corey Asbury song I was listening to this week. It says, every word that I've rehearsed for days and days and days fall at his feet. He doesn't even listen to them. Listen to what the father's response is when the prodigal son comes home. Listen to this. Verse 17 of chapter 15. When the son came to his senses... He said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I'll set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me, uh, son, make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and he went home to the father. Notice here that the, the boy didn't come back with good motives. He didn't come back because he loved his daddy. He came home because he's hungry. He'd screwed up. He was out of, out of green. He, didn't, he did not even come back for the love of the Father. He just came back because of his need. And it says, But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to the son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. And the Greek or uh, 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 word for that is over and over and over. It's like, oh, my gosh, you know, kissing him all over, so glad to see him. And, you know, back in the day, they wore those long robes. And so for the dad to run, he had to hike up his robe like, a, like Grandma Clampett, you know, and run like a fool down the road to the son. He beat the son to home. And the son says, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants, Quick, bring the best robe. Put it on him. Bring a ring. Put it on a finger. Sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he's found. So they begin to celebrate. There is not one ounce of condemnation, shame, guilt. You, I hope you learned your lesson there's nothing. The son, the, the son is just like, oh, God, I'm so sorry. Oh, Father, I'm so sorry. I don't deserve anything. And the father's just like, son, I'm so glad you're home. I can't stand it. I can't kiss you enough. Now, Jesus told this parable. And we've just seen the scripture that Jesus said, I'm not talking on my own here. This isn't me just making stuff up. I'm telling you only what the Father has told me to say. And the Holy Spirit, who gives us the spirit of sonship, so if this resonates with you and you can connect, the Holy Spirit is uh, connecting with your spirit and revealing to you the heart of the Father is that you are his son or daughter. If you're getting it, it's the Holy Spirit giving it to you. And so... This is coming from the Father. This is like a message from the Father that this is who He is. It's not Jesus just telling us about Him, although He could. He's saying, I'm telling you what the Father wants me, wants you to know about Him. 
That is, he's not who you thought he was. We sang a song with Josh. He said, you're better than I imagined. You're better than I thought. He's better than we thought. He was filled with compassion. He ran to the sun. There's no fussing. There's no focus on the sin. There's no focus on sin here. Sin is sin. Sin has consequences. It does. It's awful. God hates it, but not because it's sin. He, he hates what it does to his children. Once we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, we're not sinners anymore. We're sons and daughters. That's who we are. That's our identity. And we have a loving Father. And, and the Father apparently wants to make this really clear to us. I'm not who you thought I was. I'm not mad at you. I'm not disappointed in you. I like you. I want to hang out with you. You haven't let me down. You're home. And you know, home is a metaphor. In this story, it's a kid that ran off and, but, and came back. But home, you can come home today in your heart. If you walked in here and you think God hates your guts or is disappointed at you or that you screwed up so bad or you screwed up so bad last night and that you've let him down again and again and again and whatever, you can come home in your heart right now and just say, Father, I'm yours. I'm yours. I'm home. And he's running to you right now saying, let's party. With not one ounce of condemnation and not one ounce of saying, shame on you, you've got to get your life together and don't you do that again and I hope you've learned your lesson and all that. It's none of that. He just wants you to experience his love for you and that transforms you. You know, there's an old song by Kim Walker, one of the first ones. Um, I think it was a John Mark McMillan original. Um, I can't remember the name of it. We used to play it. Uh, oh, How He Loves Me. And at one point, she goes off in the song and she says, and tonight there's going to be a special anointing and anybody here that had never experienced the love of the Father, she said, you're going to experience it tonight. And she said, because once you experience the love of the Father, you'll never be the same. You'll never be the same. And it's true. Once we get this, once this drops in our spirit, and maybe it drops deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. Maybe it's not a one and done. Maybe it's a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. But as this becomes reality to us, we live differently. We do. When we realize how much the Father loves us and wants us to know that He's good and He's not mad or disappointed, He just wants a family that loves Him. That's it. It's real simple. He just wants a family. That's his heart. It's almost sad that we've missed it. He's just like saying, I just want a family that loves me. And we're like, well, you better do this and you better do that and you better do this. And he's like, no, no, no. I just want a family to love me. And then I'll take care of all that. 
I love this too. I was I read the whole thing and I read about the older brother. We don't talk about him much, but he was the uh, goody two shoes, never messed up, self righteous, arrogant, looking down his nose at the younger brother because he'd done everything right. And I used to agree back in the day before I realized I was the prodigal son. I thought this story was bad. I was like, it's not fair. And then I realized, ooh, I'm the one that left and did the bad stuff. I'm so glad for the story. But sometimes I can be the older brother. I can look down my nose at somebody. I can think I'm better than them or whatever. And the father's response to the older brother is consistent. Listen to what he does to the older brother. Verse 25, meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. And so he called out to one of the servants, and he asked, what's going on? And the servant said, your brother's come home, he replied, and your father's killed the fatted calf because he's gone back, uh, he's come back safe and sound. And the older brother became angry, and he refused to go in. He got offended. This ain't right. I've done everything right. I've been working hard. I've been doing this. I've been doing that. How many of us have gotten offended? And don't raise your hand because everybody needs to raise their hand. If you're living and breathing, you have been offended. And you've had a martyr complex at some point, me included. So don't raise your hand. We're all, we're all smacked on that one. But the older brother was offended. And he says, and so guess what happened? He refused to go in. He's like, nope, not going to go in. That's not right. So I'm not going to be a part of it. And guess who goes out to the older brother? Daddy. Daddy sees the older brother outside, and he's like, son, I want you in here too. And so it says here, so the father went out to the son, older son and pleaded with him. But he answered the father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeying your orders, and you never gave me even a, goat, a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who squandered your property with prostitutes coming home uh, has come home, you kill the fatted calf for him. And the father says, my son, he's not offended. He's not angry. He's not saying, well, you ungrateful, you know, so-and-so, shame on you for your pride and your arrogance and being offended. I mean, I mean, what, who, what kind of dad is this? Who, who has a dad like this? Where they don't even get offended with arrogance and pride and disrespect. There's, there's no anger there. There's no judgment or being mean. It, he's being compassionate to that guy. And, and he says, my son, you're always with me. Everything I have is yours. I mean, it's like, you got everything I got. You're my son. I'm not mad at you. He doesn't say, change your attitude. And, you know, I'm not saying earthly fathers don't need to correct children and help children grow up. We do. But the nature of this father... Our Father in heaven is not judgmental and harsh and mean. He's compassionate. He's patient. Y'all know the, the Scripture um, in John, 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, it says God is love, right? And right? 
Okay? And the Holy Spirit wrote the scripture. And so God the Holy Spirit is telling us that God is love. And so let's, let's look at 1 Corinthians 13. And I think this is something as we wrap this up that the Father wants us to know who he is. It's a refresher. But this, this is really about who the Father is. Paul's writing it to teach the Corinthians, but when he says love is this, it's like the Father is this because the Father is love. Starting in verse 4, the Father is patient. We just saw that in the story that, that Jesus, who is only saying what the Father's telling him to say, just told us about the Father to redirect and reposition everybody's mindset on who this God is. That he's not some mean, aloof, disgruntled uh, sovereign who doesn't, like his pe- who doesn't like his people but has to love them. That's not, that's not who he is. And so the Holy Spirit is telling us here through Paul that God is patient. God is kind. That word's been really, really resonating with me. I know, Josh, you said something years, uh, months ago to me that when you first had that vision with Jesus, you were struck by the kindness of his eyes. He's kind. Y'all all have seen people be kind. You know what kindness looks like. God is kind. Kind cuts people slack. It's gentle. It's not harsh. God's not easily angered. That's in verse 5. God keeps no record of wrong. The Father keeps no records of wrong. So if you're hauling something around because you feel like you've let him down or you're a bad dude or a bad girl because of this, that, and the other, quit. He's not keeping that record. The Father doesn't delight in evil but rejoices in the truth. The Father always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. The Father never fails. I want to read this the scripture, of, uh, it's in the Passion Translation. It says it a little different. And sometimes a different version, can, a word can really speak to you. Listen to what uh, the Holy Spirit in this scripture says. Love is large. The Father is large and incredibly patient. The Father is gentle and consistently kind. That's what we just saw. He was consistent. He was kind to the younger son. He was kind to the older son. They both had issues, but he was just kind. This says, love, the father, does not traffic in shame and disrespect. Isn't that a cool way to say it? He's not about shame and disrespect. It has no place in his kingdom. He's not about shaming us. Love or the Father is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. The Father joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. 
The Father is a safe place of shelter, for He never stops believing the best for others. The Father never takes failure as defeat, for the Father never gives up. The, the Father never stops loving. Now that's the Passion Translation with me putting the Father in there where there's the word love. So this morning, as we wrap this up, I think the word for me this morning is I was going to get up here and talk about, you know, the prodigal son and us being sons and all that. And the focus was all on me and how, how it makes me feel. But I think the focus this morning, I think the Father wants us to know how he feels and who he really is. It's from his perspective. It's a message that is consistent in the Scripture that Jesus was intentional about because the Father was intentional about revealing the true nature of our Father in heaven. Who has a God like this? Who has a king like this? Who would send their son to die for us when we... When we dissed him and continue to diss him what kind of love is that and I know y'all if y'all are like me I mean it makes me want a daddy like that it makes me want to love him I'm like God you're so good I want that I don't want to play games with you I don't want to stay in the shallow end with you not with a not with a king like that not with a father like that I want to open my heart to you. I want you to come in every corner. I want you to come in everything that I do. And all the fear of man that we have that keeps us from really being that person that we desire. Why would we do that when we have a father like this? Father, we love you. We love you back. We're just amazed and stunned at your goodness and your love for us and how, how patient, how kind, how amazing you are that you would love us like that. I mean, this is Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, Father. You're the best, Dad. It's so cool in the Scripture that there are people here that haven't experienced the love of a father, but you tell us it's okay that you'll be a father to the fatherless, that you'll show each one of us where our fathers have been deficient. You'll fill in the gaps. You'll be a father to us, and we can experience the true love of a father through you. God, we open our hearts to you, and we... We give you our lives. We just love you. We love you back. We're so grateful for your love for us. You're so kind. So kind. You're so awesome. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope this message has equipped and inspired you to transform people, your community, and the world through the love and power of Jesus Christ. Whether you're from Selma or anywhere you're listening from, we'd love to hear from you. Visit us online at www.bluejeanselma.com.